Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I am so excited to have Brian Russell joining on the show. Brian is an author, the professor of biblical studies. He's a coach for entrepreneurs and spiritually minded leaders, and he has a book coming out, and it's called Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life, which comes out in September is it 2021? Is that right? Yeah, is it still September? Yeah, September 14th, 2021. Um, so welcome, Brian. What a joy to have you here. Thank you, Kara. It's so great to meet you. So I'm privileged to be here to have this conversation. So thank you very much. Yes, I'm so glad you're here. And I wanted to start by talking a bit about your journey. One of the things that I love so much about your book and we were talking about this before we got started, was there is so much you in this book. You know, it it's, it's around centering prayer, but it's really a story of your journey. And in fact, one of the things that I love that you wrote in it was that you had um, gotten to the, the growing edge of your spiritual life, which I found very poignant because that is so true. I think a lot of people can relate to that where you... You've gotten it, you get as far as you get, and then you kind of get to that edge where you're like, okay, you know, I need something that's going to take me through this new thing. <laughs> um, so can you please take us through a little bit of your journey? Yeah, and thank you for the question too. And uh, yeah, and, and yeah, I've been a professor. So like, even when I was a little kid, I've always been loved reading. So I've been like a, you know, I was like the best student in most of the classes. Again, not bragging. That was just me. I was really good at school um, all the way through um, college. And and then and I felt like I had a calling to ministry too. So I, I pursued um, like um, ordination. I've been a pastor of a couple of different churches. And then, and I went all the way through and got a PhD in, in, in Bible, mostly because I've always been super curious in a lot of people, I was never able to get the answers to the really hard questions that I answered or that I would ask. And so I just kind of like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to figure this out. And so I just kept going. And so I essentially made my um, livelihood with my brain, just studying, reading, uh, writing academic pieces. Uh, Todd, I've been a, a professor now for um, 23 years as actually a professor. And then, and then actually I've taught at least one class in graduate school for the last 27 years. So it's basically been my entire adult life since I was 25. Uh, I was doing that. And then um, the, the moment that you're talking about, and so it's like, I've always basically lived up inside my head. Um, I always I say in the, my book that um, I live by the, I think therefore I am piece. And, and it served me really well. It got me up that ladder. I thought I was going to climb. I had tenure. Um, but uh, what happened to me is um, basically 20 years into my my first marriage, um, and it, you know, looking back, I should have probably seen this stuff coming. And was, there was always some issues, but you know, I'm not going to make this about that. But I basically had a complete relational crisis where 20 years into a, a, a marriage, um, my former wife just doesn't want to be married anymore, and we're just flat out done, like almost overnight. We have the 20 year celebration, and then, like a month later, I find out that wow, I'm going to be going down to this really dark hole, mm -hmm. and it was utterly terrifying. I wasn't prepared for this because I felt like I'd gave my whole life to do what I thought was God's work, 
Um, I'm, a, I'm a professor at a, I, I train pastors. And so it's all the stuff. It's like, you know, am I going to survive this financially? Am I going to survive? Am I going to get to see my kids? Um, you know, am I going to have a job? And so it's just complete meltdown at all kinds of levels. And my faith was um, just really shattered because I, lo- I didn't feel, I've always been kind of a thinker, but I literally didn't feel anything about connection with, with God. I was just in this numb state, which again, many people listening have gone through difficult times. It's that you're in this grief spiral, basically. And as a person that had helped people, because I've been a pastor, I'd you know, done dozens of funerals and I'd been counseling. I kind of knew what was going to happen because I've seen it. And then I had to do it. You know, I had to experience it myself. And um, it wasn't getting easier. So I was like, to the point in my own faith, I was like, geez, what am I going to do? Um, I do, am I got to fake this the rest of my life if I'm going to be a, you know, teach about the, the Bible and religion, because it's just, it, it was shut down. And then I'm on this walk and I talk about this in the book. A friend of mine told me it's not like I was going crazy because uh, you know, I talk pretty fast anyway. So I was really cruising back on this day, whatever. And, and so I go for this walk and I didn't wear headphones and I didn't do my usual professor slouch walk where I'm just looking down, but I'm just thinking. Um, I probably was for a while, but at some point, like I heard this bird chirping and I just remember looking up and then all of a sudden everything just froze. Um, I saw crisp, crisp, you know, this sounds kind of funny, but I actually saw leaves on trees, saw flowers. I heard, I saw the bird that was singing and I just had this really powerful spiritual moment. And I sensed that, that God, and this is one of the few times that I sensed anything there for a while was that uh, was God was basically saying, um, there's enough in which is I took is like, okay, you're going to make it through all this. But I had this incredible experience, which was beyond words, really. It was beyond, um, my prior understanding of religion or even God. And I just felt super loved, Mm. which was, which was different. Like this transformational, I'm just loved for who I am, not for, you know, my past, not, and and not, and I wasn't not being loved because of what was happening. It was like, wow, I'm just loved by God. And so that sent me on a journey then, because it's like, it's like, wow, that was incredible. I'm at the, this darkest moment of my life. In some ways, I've experienced love in a way that I've never experienced it. And so you know, that, that was over that was over 10 years ago now that that experience. And so I just at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a comeback on this whole thing. That's what I was thinking. I'm going to be a better man, not a bitter man. I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I'm just going to let go of this because I know that I'm completely loved. And that got me then. I mean, I still, you know, I still did kind of traditional Christian things, reading scripture and praying and such. But um, I started experimenting with what it's a whole part of, of, of the faith that I never knew about, which is contemplative spirituality. And that's what led me into this um, silent meditation practice that, you know, I wrote the book about. And I also did a lot of really extensive journaling to just kind of let go of, of my own pain, my guilt, my shame, my fear. Um, and, you know, and then in the book that you had a chance to read recently, and I'm grateful that you took the time to look at it, um, uh, was this basically the, the story of me looking back on how I actually ended up kind of moving into this 2.0 or 3.0 version of myself through these, these deeper silence and solitude practices. So I don't, I don't know if that helped it, if that answered your question. or It did. It's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that because there's such vulnerability in, 
in your story and your sharing and um, and it's so important because particularly in the West and, and not everybody, but this has been my struggle as well um, with my spiritual unfoldment is the the um, my prime real estate was my intellect. You yeah. know, that for so long, that was what I valued and that was how I made decisions. And that was the be all and end all. And, you know, I, I have a business background and, um, and, and I've always had spirituality kind of as a background, um, I've and been interested in it and in periods of my life have gone to church um you know as an episcopalian but that was really as i as a teenager you know more my early family life um but always kind of you know any anything that that sort of whispered about spirit would get my attention especially yeah. mysterious things you know i loved like um the, you know there's a a magazine that my mom gets called His Mysterious Ways, and I just devour those stories. I just love anything to show these things, like what you're talking about. That was a mystical experience, in my yes. in my opinion. You know that where your eyes, it's like a veil gets lifted, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is this is like God talking to me, and it's hard to explain how. You know, as we sit here and we try to use English. <laughs> to to describe something that's ineffable um but i can completely feel what you know how that felt and you do a beautiful job also in the book of of talking about that like your eyes just being opened and it's not anything again you know it's not like oh this angel came down and he was riding on a cloud and you know it was really really obvious for you know the listener to be like oh yeah that's definitely a sign <laughs> or, right 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 you know but it's subtle i mean it it sounds subtle but it's powerful in in the yeah. actual experience and um in the way that you know you weren't just an average person going through a spirit going through a crisis a personal crisis but you you know you were a studied scripture you know you you had all of the the intellectual tools that you needed but it would yeah. could only get you so far and one of the things that you said before we started recording was that this book is your heart you know it is a product of your heart and so the fact that that you have opened to something so much deeper um and then you know the how much stronger it it the backing that it gives to all of the information that you have to share is just vital i mean it's this big engine that's powering it all yeah, that, I mean, thanks. Thank you so much. I mean, that that that's just I'm, I mean, that's almost puts a tear in my eye. Just even listening to what you just said, because that, uh, get, yeah, because you know, back ten years ago, I had no idea. I was just mostly really scared. Um, but you know, somehow deep down inside, I was like, okay, I know I'm going to get through this. But the question is going to be, who am I going to be when I get through this, right? And so, and you know, and, and you named it so well. It's like it's it's because it's interesting, and it's and I've had to process this, and as just as a theological person, you know, it's. I can't process it still with just ideas and thoughts. I needed silence, which is so interesting. Um, 
that, you know, I just, and actually I'll just be on that. I didn't, I didn't need ideas. I didn't need more thoughts because none of that stuff was doing me any good at the time. I just don't remember. I was like, geez, everything I've been teaching all these years, nothing's working for me. I'm just completely seared on the inside. Um, but, uh, but what I needed was um, what really everybody needs which is love. It's as simple as that. It's like, and, and that, you know, got the love broke through, through again, pain. And um, just, um, again, I, I wanted to be thoroughly, I mean, one of the things I wanted to be thoroughly transformed is what I decided. So I just remember one of the affirmations I used early on too was um, I willingly open myself up to God's loving light so that he can peer into all the dark places in my life and heal me. And so I started off with that kind of an opening too. And um, which was, you know, kind of scary. And at the same time, I felt so terrible on the inside. That didn't seem as scary at the time to say that. But I was like, everything that I thought I had was gone. So it's like, I might as well just go all the way in there and just do a thorough um, clean you know, out. Yeah, clean Light out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and obviously that's put me in some interesting positions because I, I can't explain. I mean, I well, I can't explain. I don't even try to explain everything that happens, but I know that um over time, again, one of my favorite words is abundance. That's a word that emerged over the last 10 years over again, just thinking as everything is scarce or just um there's only a limited amount. I just have this unlimited v- vision of what um God's love is actually like, and, you know, I can imagine essentially all eternity just being, just exploring the the full depths of what love really is and and never, you know, and obviously eternity, you just, you never, it's just forever. And there's always going to be more, which uh, that's pretty exciting to me. Right. And, and going back to that, the growing edge of your spiritual life. I mean, that's what that takes me to where it's like, yeah, you've got eternity and you get to the edge and then it just keeps expanding. And it's like, we, because we only know what we know until we learn more and in with um and that goes beyond that goes through eternity you know it does just keep expanding and it's beautiful and glorious and and um it's it's really interesting and i i i love that we can offer this your story at a time like this you know this happened to you 10 years ago and people, so many people are in the thick of it right now, you know, and yes. they, they have been um, for a year and a half or, or longer. You know, it's very, it varies from story to story, but there are so many stories of loss and of, of um, wounding and tragedy and trauma. And it's amazing to see the gifts that you have received through this trauma that has yes. happened for you, the treasure, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, we've just met today, but I do feel like I know you because I read the book, you know, and you're, and because you're so open in it. Um, but it's hard to know how you could have had the growth and transformation that you've experienced in the last 10 years without the catalyst. You know, it's hard to know if there would have been an innate something that would have driven you to explore yourself in this way and to come into this new definition of love without it. And maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you I know, know, I don't know if you've ever read Richard Rohr. He always I talks love about it. Richard yeah, yeah. Rohr. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. And obviously, I quoted him quite a bit in the yes. in the book. And he's not the only person that says stuff. But you know, basically, you can either be transformed by pain, or you can be transformed by love. It's just like, you know, and Rora always says, most people have to wait for the pain to come. But, <laughs> and, you know, so for me, you know, and I'll, I'll honestly say, I think I was so far into my head. And I was, you know, at some level, I took one of the other ways that was important for my healing is, again, my, my former wife just, you know, left me and my daughters basically, but um, I never blamed her. Um, I basically said, okay, I'm going to take 100% responsibility. Again, was it 100% mine? No, it wasn't 100% hers either. But I'm like, I'm taking 100% responsibility because this is never going to happen again. And this has to actually mean something long term. So I'm going to say I needed. So again, I don't recommend divorce to anybody because it's, it's, it's really hard, super hard. It's been hard on my daughters, especially. Um, <clears throat> Um, they've done better. So I didn't feel bad about putting this book out because my girls are in a good spot, but it, that was hard for a, yeah. a while. It's just not, it's really, it's obviously really painful, but right. um, I, I am grateful <laughs> for even what my ex-wife did and even the way that she left now, because it literally was just like, it was like getting a, you know, a, like a solderized wound with a laser or something like the arm got whacked off but it, you know, it didn't bleed out, but it was just gone. And so then what do I do? I had, I had to respond to that. And so I, I'm not sure if I actually would have had this breakthrough if I would have stayed married because I was, I'd retreated into my head and it was going to take something to get me out of there. So I'm, I'm actually, again, don't recommend it, but in the, I can look back and say that was at least so far, that was probably one of the big catalytic moments, if not the biggest catalyst that I've ever had in my life for real growth. And so, I mean, I wouldn't be here talking to you today, at least if that wouldn't happen. So I can say I'm grateful and I needed it because, you know, sometimes people can be apprehended by pure love and, you know, and I wish everybody listening, I hope that's the, that, the catalyst for everybody's change. But a lot of us, we have to go through what the, yeah. hit a wall and I hit a big wall there. So. Right, right. And so it's, it's helpful when you are going through it to hear stories of people who it's like, oh my gosh, you know, this can be, it's hard, so hard to feel that when you're in it. It can be so hard to recognize it when you're in the trenches. But it is helpful to hear from people who are like, okay, this was actually, in the end, a huge blessing for me in terms of my transformation. Because we are, you know, I mean, it's my belief that we are here. This is, this is an opportunity for yes. us. You know, yeah. these lives are opportunities and they're opportunities for us to keep reaching that growing edge of our spiritual life and discover who we are and bring in more of that light and more of who we really are. And, and so often, just as you said, you know, it, it can take that, um, something, something, something hard to be able to force us into it. Yes. Um, that wake up call that we, we often need. Well, thank you again for sharing that. So your book is, around centering prayer. This is yes. the the um, the tool that you use to help you get more in your heart and, and get more into the experience rather than just the learning of the scripture. Um, so can we can you talk about the difference between centering prayer versus other types of prayer? If we can start with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
and the the basic difference is um, centering prayer is just, is also known as the prayer of silence. Um, and you know, I know your show is a lot about meditation, so you could also just call it silent meditative prayer. Um, and so, you know, in a regular prayer, you know, you said you grew up Episcopalian, so you obviously you had the Book of Common Prayer. And so, a lot of times, people pray just by reading prayers, whether they're in the Bible or written prayers, and say like the Book of Common Prayer, Book of Worship, or we can do. Um, just, you know, people you can just pray to God with words out loud or to yourself. Um, centering prayer is, is basically saying, what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, commit to sitting um, in God's presence, and I'm going to attempt to connect with God. My intention is to sit there and engage God apart from words, thoughts, images, and in fact, the whole practice is essentially, and this is where it's similar to say, um, um, like Vipassana, like um, mindfulness meditation, um, where you're essentially just uh, trying to r recognize when you're lost in a thought stream. And then um, the centering prayer technique, instead of just focusing on your breathing, like maybe you would, well, like you do when you do, learn how to do mindfulness, centering prayer is similar, but instead of using the breath to break up thoughts, you're assuming um, you're sitting in God's presence. So you just use like a prayer word which can be God or love or Jesus. I use, I use Jesus. And uh, so when I realize I'm in a thought, I just kind of, you know, mentally like, you know, Jesus, and that breaks the thought up just for a little space. And then you, it's the whole process is I'm going to surrender um, my thoughts and sort of float above them. And I always think of this, there's an old book from the medieval period called the cloud of unknowing. And it's a book on prayer. And the idea was to get to God, you have to get above, um, they call it the cloud of forgetfulness. You had to get on the other side of your thoughts. And if you could just float above your thoughts every once in a while out of this the vast emptiness of, of what you run into, which is pure silence, um, you know, God's love can break through, but not through words. It's more kind of a soul to soul thing. And so that that's, that's what centering prayer is. It's a, a really powerful way to just sit with God um, with um, the goal just being that, to surrender my thoughts and be in God's presence. And then from time to time, you'll have, you can have some really profound experiences, but that's not the goal. The goal is just to surrender your thoughts to, to the divine. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and one of the things that you, you go into in the book too, is the, the experience, like, well, and you were saying that too, the experience versus the thought and the intellect. And I, I was just at a funeral last week and um, back in an Episcopal church and, and going through these familiar prayers, you know, as part of the service. And it was so much harder for me to connect with these written words that were going so fast, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and, um, it was like, they were beautiful words, but I couldn't, it was a rote, you know, like we were just, this is what we say now. And this is what we say now. And now we say this, you know, and it was like, I, I was trying to get deeper into the words so that I could really kind of feel them and feel that connection. And what was the author, you know, what prompted the author to, write this, what had just happened or what had been experienced and what are they wanting to convey? What am I supposed to remember here? You know, where's that eternal remembrance? And it was, it was just too fast, you know, it was, yeah. because it was just in the mind. It was, I'm, I'm reading it and I'm following and I'm trying to keep up and 
And for me, like as you're talking about that, that's what it goes back to. Because when I'm in meditation, I can, I have that time to really soak in that, you know, wherever I feel that I want to, you know, what, whatever qualities I want to be absorbed in, if that's peace, if that's love, if that's um, wisdom, whatever I want to invoke, you know, if I want to do that, then I can really get to it for me, you know, and the experience piece, it's a feeling, you know, it's really coming into a feeling like a presence and, and feeling that connection with God, feeling things open up, you know, you talk about that rising above thought. And, you know, for me, oftentimes, it's like this, I can totally relate to that. And sometimes it's like the, the cloud sort of even parts so yes. that God can come down in, you know, so that, yeah. or, you know, higher self or however we want to say it. Um, but so that there is like this connection, like almost like a portal opens up and it's like, oh yes, okay, here we are. We're clicked in, we're connected. Um, but it, for me, you know, it takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of, of it takes some silence. It takes some intention. It takes really getting into that feeling um, and so, yeah, that's the, when I consider what you're talking about, that's what it, it opens up for me. Um, yeah. I love how you describe that too. Cause that's, I, I, you know, I talked to a lot of folks about it and, and you're always trying to get somebody to like, what have you experienced? And it's so hard to actually put in words, but I mean, I yeah. think you just made it really simple. You just get these moments where like you said, the car, the kind of the clouds part or the red sea parts or whatever. And then you just, you encounter them like, Oh, wow. And then, you know, then it's gone. Sometimes it's just a fleeting moment, but yeah. those are those moments that it's like, I mean, those are the healing moments essentially. And they're, yeah. they're so powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so imperative, I think, you know, and you're not going to get it every time. I mean, right, especially right. if you're no, just starting yes. off. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But if you, you know, if you stick to it, you know, you get into a rhythm. And so can you can you talk a little bit about the benefits that you've received? We've talked a lot about how it's opened you up more in the heart and beyond the intellect. Is there anything else you want to share about the benefits? Yeah, because this was a surprising um, piece for me. Because again, I I was just um, I was, you know, after I went to the divorce, I was literally like throwing things at the wall to mm-hmm. see what, if I could just get any kind of relief at all from stuff. So I was, you know, I was experimenting with different pieces, um, um, and the. W- the centering prayer, the piece that surprised me, because I just like, I had people like, oh, you should meditate. I'm like, okay. And, but nobody warned me that kind of odd things were going to happen when I started to meditate. <laughs> and, and, and this was, and I thought it was something was wrong with me really. Cause uh-huh. like um, I would meditate. <clears throat> I put this on the book, but it was funny. And I used to do it. I still do sometimes, but I used to do it outside to be on the back patio. I would do yoga, I'd go for a walk and I'd end with um, like a, a centering prayer session or whatever. And so I would sit out there and I just remember this one day, um, all I could remember was how mad I was at people. And so all this anger was just bubbling up. And then, and then, and that would alternate with me thinking about sex. And I was thinking like, what is wrong with me? And it's like, I'm supposed to be sitting here with God. And, and then, but, but, and then, and then I, it, I had this transformational moment doing that too. And I was thinking like, okay, I got all these kind of thoughts going through my head that are kind of embarrassing. And then I'm like, well, I'm still here. God hasn't like 
um, you know, incinerated me or something. (laughs) And instead, I actually feel connected with God. And then so I'm like, that's really strange. And then I did some research and I found out that um, at least within the Christian religion, um, that when when persons first withdrew into the deserts and these were like the hermits, these people became the monks and nuns and and such uh, early early Christian writers who were out with these folks noticed, they called them demons that showed up. Mm-hmm. And this is where the whole tradition, uh, some of the listeners may have heard of the seven deadly sins. A lot of times they get kind of cliche and they get turned into horror movies and stuff. But originally that was all observing fully committed people that had left everything to go out and just be in silence with God. And that, what did they run into? They ran into greed, um, a uh, lust, um, pride, a sloth. Uh, you know, I can roll through the whole seven deadly sin stuff, but all that mm-hmm. stuff showed up. And see, I didn't know that. And so the thing that one of the benefits of centering prayer is it, le- it lets you see on the inside what's really going on. And then the beautiful thing of that is you can accept what's on the inside, what's in your thoughts, and you're consciously through this whole process, you're releasing those to God. And so one of you know one of the things that God really did in my heart was um, um, especially anger stuff. I just realized how angry I was just seething on the inside. And that had to have been coming out during my daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, so I've literally since I've been doing this, my blood pressure is like down, you know, I still pretty wound up person, but I was used to be borderline high blood pressure, you know, so I'm like talking like, you know, just give a roll some, just some numbers. I'd go to the doctor and I would be like at, you know, 140, 145 over 90, which is right borderline for being, and you know, I'm like, I've gone to the doctor the other day for my physical. I'm now I'm at like 115 over 70. And it's not just age. It's literally like calm. And that's because I let go of the stuff that was bothering me. Um, Another benefit is, um, this has been really profound, and it's super helpful for for 2020 and 2021 with all the divisions and stuff that you were talking about is like, um, I realized how complex I was on the inside, Uh, you know, just mixed motives, you know, like I'm saying I'm doing it for God, but maybe I'm just doing it for the money. And I just saw all the stuff without judgment. So Mm -hmm. I could just see the mixed motives. And then, and then the the, the takeaway for me over long term has been, um, again, I'm not perfect at this either, but in terms of like interacting with my, um, with my children, with friends, or, or especially with people that maybe are kind of being adversarial toward me at different moments in my life, I've realized that, wow, when I'm engaging somebody, I need to be super curious because the person I'm talking to is just as complicated, just as divided as I am. Therefore, I need to give this person a colossal amount of grace and a break, especially if they're not showing up as their best version of themselves. And so that's been a huge change for me too. And that's helped me um, well, again, I don't think I would be here talking to you. That's helped me in my, you know, my coaching work. I'm a better teacher, better mentor. Again, do I still get wound up? Sure. Do I get upset? Yes. But I have that kind of impulse control. And I have the ability now to like, you know, see another person as a person loved by God too, that has needs, that has divisions, that's, um, um, and that's, that's been a huge benefit. And then I guess the last thing is, um, just the fact that I knew sitting in with God that, wow, the worst parts of myself showed up and uh, I still felt that God loved me. And I, I mean, I know that God loves me. And so I had, so it's like, okay, I don't have to be ashamed. 
of myself. And that's where I think the transparency that came out of the book, I'm just, and I, you know, when I speak, I can share in class and I've, so I have a better, I have more impact on people having gone through this hard time and basically done this inner work. It's allowed me to hold space for people without, without judgment. Again, not perfect. I'm not going to pretend like I never judge because of course I do, but I mean, I'm able to hold space, listen, and I think authentically love the person that I'm talking to. And that, that's been, um, and, I, and that's still the work in progress, but that's what this practice over almost 10 years um, has done for me. That is so beautiful. And, and one of the things that I, I would love to just reiterate that you brought up uh, kind of humorously at the beginning of that was um, the, the things that, kind of come to that come to the surface that you weren't prepared for and that's such an important point because we were talking earlier about really you know you're bringing light in and there is actually you know there are teachers who talk about that when you open yourself up in this way there really is a light that's coming in but it it shines into your shadows and that then it surfaces them. So you gave beautiful examples of how this light brought the, the shadows, more of the things that you don't want to see about yourself that we, that we all can experience and that is a part of us, but we may, so often we reject it and we don't want to see it and we don't want to acknowledge that it's part of us. We're very willing to point it out in other people often yes. But often what triggers us so much in others is what we are most afraid to look at within us. And so when we take this time and the opportunity to really bring that light in, in silence and in contemplation and and just willingly surrendering, it will bring those shadows up, but it allows them to rise. And like you said, you can offer them to God. You can offer them to yeah. the divine, to back to the light to say, okay, thank you. I see it. Thank you for the service that you've given me and the protection that you thought you were doing or whatever the case may be. If you can try to, you know, if you can try to bring gratitude in it, that's beautiful. Um, but recognizing and owning it, being responsible for it, and then recognizing that it's not going to serve where you're going anymore. So releasing it. Um, but that is such a, it, it, I'm just so glad that you brought that up because it can be something that happens and, and, and people can approach meditation and centering prayer thinking I'm going to feel amazing all the time. It's always going to make me feel better. And it's such an important and powerful tool but it does give you the opportunity to work through some things um, that you may not be wanting to look at that actually ultimately with them rising to the surface that you can re- you can release them and let them go. So it's for your highest good, but you have to go through the witnessing of it um, yeah, yeah. before you can get to that point of clarity. Thomas Keating, who was a, he was a, a Catholic priest and he was, he was, he, he was a monk. And so um, when the centering prayer movement started, I mean, it goes all the way back into the earliest church, but started in like 
the centering prayer word itself came up in like 1970 because um, he was uh, like he you may have heard Thomas Merton uh, mm-hmm. he was probably the more one of the most famous Catholic monks but um, so they they had these they already had these meditation techniques but they were seeing a lot of Roman Catholics were going and embracing like it was the 1960s so they were embracing like transcendental meditation which is a different form that comes out of like um, like really Hinduism in some in, in in some ways and like they're going hey you don't have to become a Hindu to meditate you can be a Christian let us show you how to do this. Um, but Keating actually called what happens divine therapy, which um, I love that because it is like, um, you know, we all can't afford psychotherapy and literally go like two or three times a week for months and months and months. But in a sense, the the way you just described it is it's God's doing like psychotherapy on us. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a quote that I really like. It's, I put it in the book, but it's by, um, it's from Nietzsche, the Mm -hmm. philosopher who's, who, you know, is neither he was not a religious person. He's kind of reacting to Christianity, but he has this great quote about silence that I just love. He says, when we're alone and quiet, we're afraid that something will be whispered in our ear. And so we hate the silence and drug ourselves with social life. Um, and, and, and I love that because that's exactly what happens. Stuff does get whispered in your ear when you're in, yeah. you know, and nobody told me. And um, so I'm, you know, I'm glad yeah. that uh, this is coming up in this conversation because meditation everybody says it's awesome and it actually is but yes (laughs) there's a growth process it's hard to learn how to do it because you have to learn how to deal with your own thoughts but then the thoughts that come up a lot of them are just bizarre stuff like you know did I set my watch so like or is this ever going to end or whatever but when you get those disturbing embarrassing thoughts that's what we're always not not always prepared to deal with and you know I've seen people in groups just burst into tears doing centering prayer um, because something spoke to them so deeply. They're just literally crying afterwards. And uh, mm-hmm. um, so, and that, and that, again, that doesn't happen all the time either, but you just have to be um, aware that um, stuff will pop up out of your inside. Or like you said, I love that the image of light coming in and mm-hmm. you'll see stuff that uh, you may not be completely ready to see. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so important. I mean, and trusting that if yeah. it's coming up, you're, it's, you're not going to get more than you can handle. So yeah. if it's coming up, there is this higher guidance that is, you know, it's like you're giving this opportunity for higher guidance to come in and work with you and work on you. And so trusting that, oh, I don't want to see this, but it must be time, you know, and, and, and surrendering and, and, recognizing that, you know, you, you can, it's helpful in my opinion, in my experience, it has been very helpful to open myself and surrender and allow for this stuff to come in, this stuff to clear out. Um, so well, thank you for that. No, you're welcome. And I mean, what clears out is fear, guilt, and shame. Um, you know, I, I, one of my favorite, um, little prayers, uh, I heard this from one of my mentors, but then I've realized now that he got this from um, a woman named uh, Macrina Veter care. And it's the prayer is really simple and it, you can use it probably before you do the centering prayer. If you wanted to, it's Lord, help me believe the truth about myself, no matter how wonderful it is or how beautiful it is. And, you know, and that's, you know, that's just, oh, I'm going to surrender and just show me everything. And uh, let's use this to, to grow into the person that um, I was created to be. Yeah. Oh, I do love that. That's beautiful. So something else that you wrote that I loved was, um, let me just quote this here. I again want to caution you against reading what follows as a blow by blow by blow account of what you will encounter. I cannot promise five steps to the abundant life or 30 days to personal renewal. 
Centering prayer is not a quick fix, nor should we approach it as a trendy spiritual practice. And this is so important, and I want us to emphasize that spiritual practices and paths are unique by design. They take intentionality and discrimination, patience, and practice. And you can find that you reach a point on your path where things begin to accelerate, but you have to build that foundation and allow it to really soak into your being until you're not just practicing it, but you're being it. Um, and so I loved that, that it was, you know, like the, you know, you've been doing this for 10 years and, and you've reached some really beautiful fruits of your labor, but, um, I don't know if, if you have anything more to say about that, but this being an embodiment. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I I love the words that you just said too. I have to say, um, that things are unique, but in the the phrase that I like to use with folks, I mean, I'll I'll make this this short, but it's like, you got to play, we want to play, we're playing an infinite game basically in life. And too many of us think it's a finite game. And so meditation is to play infinite game because it looks like, wow, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to block out 20 minutes. And, you know, some people do it twice a day. Some people even do it more. And you're like, wow, I'm going to lose that much time. It's like, no, you're actually opening yourself up to infinity. So you're actually making your life bigger by doing it. But it's a long game practice that you're doing. And, you know, and, and I love the way you're describing too, because what I like to talk about is we need to find rhythms for life that fuel us and they just essentially, um, um, you know, they fit, I don't even know, it's the word, our life fits into them. They don't fit into our, our life. So we're not like trying to make to control. We're setting ourselves up so that we can open ourselves up to as much of God's grace and love as possible. So that can flow into all the other parts of our lives. And so when you play a long game, you know, you do these rhythms, I'd call them rhythms, or you can call it Sometimes people say rule of life. I like rhythm. Like it's a rhythm of life that I can order my days by that allows me to essentially, um, one of my mentors, a guy named Bob Tuttle, um, you know, he always said the the key to life is um, show up, pay attention, and know that God has more invested in this than you do. And, uh, you know, a long game meditation practice, you, you experience that for yourself. And then you can go about your daily life. I mean, you know, I have a job, I'm a professor, I do coaching, I write, but I'm able to take what happens in those meditation sessions and in my other spiritual practices. And that isn't something I add to my day. It's the thing that fuels my whole, whole day. So when I'm my best self, um, I'm free to be me. I, you know, I love myself enough that then I can love everybody that I'm in, um, you know, that I encounter each day. And then, you know, I can love God even more deeply. And like, I like to say, I, I want to be an ambassador of God's abundance to every single person I meet each day. And, and this playing long game, not quick fix is, has been what that's made meant everything to me. So again, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'll be, I'm just curious just to kind of keep looking like what we're, you know, if we talk in 10 years, it'd be really interesting to see where both of us are. If we would stay on this journey, it would, it could, it would just be really interesting. And so it'd be fun to go back and listen 10 years from now to this right. interview, even to see what, what was going on. So, right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love that, that growth and expansion you know, that you're talking about and the infusing, it's kind of like, I love how you talk about it, fueling your day. And ultimately, you know, the more we can bring the centering prayer and the meditation into our everyday activities, 
so that we're kind of starting from that platform. Um, and I'm sure that you have gotten to, you know, that when you are around people in, in a social setting or something, you know, that you're, exu- I mean, I can feel it now that you're exuding this presence, this peaceful presence. And, um, and that I think is something with a, with a regular practice that happens too, that you start, people start talking about how they feel calmer around you, you know, yes. and, and, um, that, that it changes the energy of the room or however you, whatever language you, the people use, but it's like, uh, you know, people feel calmer around you and, and what a beautiful byproduct that is to be of service, you know, just even when people don't know why, you know, they don't know you, they don't know why that is that they feel better, but they do. And that's, that's an incredible blessing to be able to bring into this this life, you know, and other lives, other people's lives. No, that's not so good. And, and you know, and, and I, again, I do want to exude, you know, we all have energy, right? And so how can we exude the most love? And you know, I talk about it in the book, it was still so funny. I was in this really um, a, a high conflict business meeting one time and I was, you know, I was doing the consulting stuff <laughs> and I, I came in and, and then I, and the president goes, so come up and sit by me. And so I'm sitting up by the president, which made me a little bit nervous. And then we're there and all the, the whole like cabinet and the key leaders were all there. And, and so I made my presentation and one of the persons who was kind of a bully in the group just unloaded on everything and we'd been in enough meetings so it was almost like this person was just playing tapes in their head he'd like oh they always kind of said the same stuff but it was still pretty harsh and then it's done and then it was funny I could feel all the eyes looking on me like what what's Brian gonna say now and and what was funny is like while he was just unloading I, I just I started doing centering prayer while the person was talking I was just holding the space and not judging and not, not feeling shame or attacked personally. And, and so I just sat there and I, you know, I knew everybody's looking at me. And, and then the funniest thing was um, the president ends up basically just shutting the person down and like, no, this was really good. And, and it was like, and then after the meeting, the funniest thing was these other guys, the, the, these, uh, these other leaders came up and they go, Brian, where were you smoking? How'd you do that? No one's ever handled that person like you just did. And I, and I literally didn't do anything. I was just sitting there holding space. But it was completely spiritual energy that just kind of let the calm down. And, you know, and, and it wasn't a high conflict because the president it wasn't like they started yelling at each other. Or anything, but it was just really interesting. And so, you know, that's a powerful byproduct. And, and again, that's that's what it means to be you know, again, am I perfect? I'm like, no, but when I think I want to be an ambassador of abundance, I want to bring a loving presence into whether it's a boardroom, a classroom, um, you know, bedroom in my marriage, I'm in the dining room, eating dinner with folks. I want, I, I that's what I want to bring into my life. And, you know, this has been the, the, a tool that's opened me up to be able to, you know, do that. I'm getting, I don't know how, what the percentage is, but a lot more than I used to, let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that story. So you also beautifully write, another way of thinking about growth in love is to view it as a journey. We don't ask, are we there yet or will we ever make it? Instead, we ponder, how far can we get? Thus, perfection does not become a fixed point. Perfection becomes a living reality, attitude, and openness to growth. And so I think this is a common theme throughout our conversation of this growing edge. But I just love this 
one of the the other things with your book and with your the time that we've spent together here today is also your humility. You know, it's this like again this this is what I know right now. This is how far I've been able to take things and I know that I'm open to continuing to let that edge, you know, to keep letting that edge move out and keep getting to the edge of it and so that I can learn and discover more. And, and, uh, and we talked about this a little bit in the beginning too, with the, with love and this, this discovery almost, or like a rediscovery of, of really like a new depth of love and a new kind of definition of what love is through the trauma that you experienced with your divorce. Um, and so this, this openness to be like, Oh my goodness, there was so much more and what is coming, you know, what still lies in wait out there for me to explore. And, um, and I just wanted to share that because I, I thought that was so beautifully written of, you know, this isn't like a, it's not something we're trying to arrive to, you know, it's not like I'll use centering prayer to get me to this destination. You know, this is, it's expansive and it's infinite and it keeps going. And, um, and so what a gift that is. Well, 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 thank you. Cause again, if you didn't know me like 10, 12 years ago, you would probably be astounded. I, well, I'd like to see a video of myself from 12 <laughs> years ago, honestly, now kind of the before and after, cause it's like, it, cause that, but thank you for, for, for those, you know, super kind words. And, and the reality is when we talk about an infinite growth, I mean, the thing that I've learned the most is that just means I just need to show up mm, <laughs> right. and be present and just be my, and literally, um, I mean, it's, it, you know, I, again, I'm a, I, I teach at a seminary, mentor folks. And so, you know, like I always just say, um, I just get, I earn my living being myself. Mm. And so I have to 100% own that. And I can't be fake because that's the other thing. It's like, I have like this almost no toleration for um, what, what I, for, 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 for pretend. It's like, I want it to be real because I knew what it was like to basically lose my faith in the middle of that whole thing. And if I, I decided if I was ever going to believe everything, anything ever again, it was going to have to be real. And Mm -hmm. so I, you know, I really believe in, I don't ask anybody to do anything that I haven't tried myself. I I love the principle of skin in the game and just being present, showing up and serving whoever's with me as powererfully as I can in the moment. I mean, that, and that's what I've really learned. Yeah, that's beautiful. Beautiful. I can take lifetimes to get to that point. So <laughs> that's wonderful. 52 years so far. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a huge acceleration in those last 10 or 12, it sounds like. So your book comes out September 14th. And again, it's called Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. And what I assume that people can get that on Amazon or on your website. Yeah, it's available right now for pre-order on Amazon. Um, And um, my web, my website, uh, I have like a landing page at centeringprayerbook.com. That'd be the best place if people want to, or particularly interested in this. And I'll, that'll give you, I'll ask for your email and then I will send you some information on centering prayer and I'll give you updates, but it's available on Amazon um, right now for pre-order. And then um, other ways that people can connect with you? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm on t- Twitter and Instagram. Um, I mean, I guess I'll send you all the links and yeah, I guess you I'll can post them. I'll be happy to put those I, in the show notes. Yeah. I'm on all those things and, uh, you know, and, and good, bad, or ugly, they all show different periods of my life because I have different, I don't have one consistent branding across all those things. I will have a, 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 um, a website that well, I, you can look at drbrianrussellcoaching.com if you're interested in the coaching stuff, but I would say centeringprayerbook.com or you can connect with me on social media and that would be the best places to find me right now. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. You've really you've really shared some valuable wisdom and insight and I thank you for for the work that you're doing um the, the work that you're doing on yourself in and of itself is is huge for for so many. I mean, it it affects everybody um even though it it feels so personal. And, um, but also the ways that you're sharing and helping other people to grow is just really beautiful and such important work. So thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. This has been a wonderful conversation. I, you know, I love the presence that you actually hold the space that you're able to hold as an interviewer too. So this has been a great conversation and I'm just really grateful for the chance to have met you and to serve the audience here too. Thank you so much. Well, what a delight to speak with Brian Russell. Be sure to check out his book, Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. Again, that's coming out in September of 2021. And and look him up. I'll have all of his information on how to reach him in the show notes. So thank you so much for listening And um, please share this episode. Brian is a beautiful soul who has a lot to share. So if this resonated with you and it brings somebody to mind who you think would enjoy his his story and his teachings, his um, his beautiful um, his beautiful experience of his expanding love, um, please do that. Please share it. Um, and subscribe to the podcast. You can rate and review, and um, I so appreciate your support in that way. So thank you again, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.